Hi. Hello. Howdy. How you doing? So good. So good. Welcome back to the Wine About Birth podcast. We are three birth professionals. And best friends. And we are here to talk about what it's really like to live in the world of birth. It's not all Ritter, Ritter rainbows. Wow. It's not, all, it's not all glitter and rainbows. <laughs> also, that, if you haven't seen glitter, YouTube it. That wasn't right. You know what it is? Can we do that rewind sound? Yes, we can. What it, is it, Kim? It is a lot more shit than giggles. <laughs> Ooh. Do you know what's throwing us off our game today? I, my weird echoey No, this hot chick to my right. That's true. I can't oh. focus. And her spirit animal crouched in the corner over there. Yeah, she's the one that made this delicious <laughs> wine that I can't drink because there's a floating asshole in it. <laughs> it's a star Clarify, anus. it's an anus. I think that the word is actually glühwein. I think the word is actually anise. It's a it's a spice. It looks it looks like both a floating asshole and a spider. I'm gonna post a picture of it. I thought it was a dead spider, but then I realized nope, it's just a floating asshole. But why is there a floating asshole in your wine today? Nikki, can you tell us why? Wait, who's Nikki? I don't know. We'll introduce her after she tells us why there's a floating asshole spider in your in your wine. <laughs> because somebody, one of our clients, has gifted us this beautiful thing of real glühwein, and I happen to know how to make it. She's got to doctor one. it up a little bit. How do you make some it? Rum, some anus. <laughs> Some OJ. Um, some orange juice. Some you sugar heat, if you want. You heat and it you up. Heat it up real nice. It's, it's actually good. It's delicious. And it goes straight to your dome. Straight It's very to it. toasty. All right. Someone introduced Nikki. Um, Who so, is this Nikki? There's so many things to say about So it. today you know. for our episode, uh, we are talking about something interesting. It is... As um, opposed to all the other episodes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, we're talking about preceptor midwife relationships so student so midwives student. teaching student midwives how to practice midwifery and all the stuff that goes into that and so for that episode i'm going to talk a lot now because i don't have a lot to say about this so i'm going to talk a lot in the intro um for this episode uh we're gonna have we have uh nikki here who is kim's student she's not my student she's she almost ha- she's, done i hate when i hate when they say this is my student she is a student who I get to work with, and she's almost done. Stop. Yes. And her name is Nikki Williams. <laughs> and she's amazing. She and has she's so many amazing. awesome international experiences and to her- bring to the table. So she's always teaching us really cool things about how birth is in other countries. And mm-hmm. she also works with a company called Bedhead Birth. That is her company. That's and her me. company. That's her. That, that is her, Bedhead Birth. That's what's paying for my gas because uh, yeah. students are unpaid. Yes. Unpaid. <laughs> Generally. Usually. 99.9% of the time they're unpaid. Mm-hmm. So is Bedhead Birth who's uh, sponsoring this episode? No, no, it's not. Um, there's a new uh, midwifery game in the Baltimore City area. It's okay, Charm City Midwives. All and right, I was invited by a longtime friend and th- three of her friends, who are going to come together and be a CNM plus three CPMs. Nice for like awesome. a very unique kind of group practice thing, um, so we can get some balance in the midwifery life. Nice. What? Yeah. Oh no, off time. <laughs> Yeah, all time what yeah <laughs> and like perspectives of a nurse midwife who can get covered by insurance and get those meds and the meds and the mm-hmm. three certified professional midwives who um, are just you awesome. can think whatever you want to think about them awesome oh. so <laughs> our she challenges you so our episode a lot of challenges in this in this one i think so our episode is being sponsored by charm city midwives and we'll tell you more about them on our break and i'm sorry nikki if it makes you uncomfortable but i feel like i'm going to keep staring in your eyes this whole episode yeah, it's and it's probably going to like she's above me on the most I just glamorous can't person even. we'll ever have on our show she's probably. so she's so be- oh, the best always hair beautiful ever. i know her hair her eyes i know her clothes mm. that sweater she made there's a montage she's of her looking, on facebook she's looking really uncomfortable 
uncomfortable because I'm staring deeply, deeply into her eyes. Away. The more you stare at Nikki, the less you do it to me. Yeah. <laughs> Does this make you uncomfortable? No, I'm getting used to it. How I was going to say, now? you should be used to it by now. Okay, so we're going to be talking about are preceptor. You, are you nervous, Nikki? We Not put her in the corner so she can run. I'm going to put all these people on blast. Uh, we are blasting all full force today. So yeah, so we're going to be talking about preceptor relationships because you would think that because midwives tend to be like earthy birthy and love their clients and are so supportive that that would be what happens in student relationships. But we find that that's not Urch. usually nope. the case. Is it ever the case? I mean, when we're talking about you, Kimberly. Oh. Yeah. Oh. There's <laughs> a few shining stars of hope out into the middle we of the world, but there's you. like very, very few. Nikki has to be nice to me because she's yes. not done yeah. yet. Yeah, she owes me a lot of signatures, and I'm going to kiss that ass until I get them. <laughs> <laughs> I love having my ass kissed. <laughs> Isn't it sad you have to kiss an ass to get a signature? Yep. Yeah. Hey, now's the part where Just you say you've never before had I get to... the signatures, because that's also happened. <gasps> Yikes. Wow. Stop going to out-of-country places. <laughs> that's not... Oh, that's terrible. I'm excited so, about today. Yeah. So let's um, dive in. Like, like a muff. Like a muff. That should probably be our next tagline. Okay. So <laughs> I love today's episode. Um, I have always felt really, really strongly about preceptor student relationships and improving them. I have heard horror story after horror story. My first day of school, one of our professors says... If there's anything that you think you can do besides midwifery, get the fuck up and get out. It's going to be horrible. You're going to be treated like shit. And I was like, that's, oh my gosh, what a horrible way to start. I was lucky. And I'll, I'll talk about Nora later. But um, over the first couple of years of school, I would listen to these awful stories of people just being just sabotaged and smacked at and washing people's cars. Like, mm -hmm. I can't even believe Cleaning this stuff. Cleaning people's toilets. Cleaning people's toilets. Being I called mean, stupid. Oh, my God. And worse. So um, one day I hope to teach um, and join forces with those of you out there that already teach about horizontal violence, or as we're calling it today, mm -hmm. lateral violence, so it doesn't sound like rough sex, but whatever. <laughs> but that's lateral part, sex can also be violent. But that's that is fine. part of one of the reasons why we started this podcast is because we were seeing not just amongst this subject, but um, like the indiscrepancies in the birth community and how people don't tend to be supportive of each other. And so no, we want to bring that to light and help make a change in that situation. And today is interesting for me because I have Meredith was a student of mine, mm -hmm. of mine belonged to me. I hate saying it that way. She was a student who worked under me. Um, and now she is a CNM. How was Nikki, it when she was under you? It was so soft. <laughs> so squishy. So cushiony. No, it was so soft. And Nikki is still currently working with me as a student. So it's like we're all here and I am waiting. I'm waiting for the uh, attacks. Like yeah. I'm ready. I'm ready to hear the truth about me. You're not the one who's going to Don't get forget you just graduated somebody. Big I did. props oh. to people who actually graduate their students. Yeah. So I should say um, I've only been licensed here for six years and I have helped to make five how many midwives? I don't know. Four. One. Little babies. Two. Three. Yeah. I, can't, I don't know. Yeah. Three. Three. Four. And soon to be four. Anyway. Stop jinxing it. It's a process. But I'm so proud of that. And what little part that I did, I'm super proud of that. Oh, please. You did so much. Stop and me. you because you're one of the only good ones out yeah. there. If you want to learn how to attend births and chart with military precision, oh. come to Premier Birth Center. <laughs> yeah. And then if you want her to judge true. you for the rest of your life for not charting as good as her. 
Good Guys, luck. No, that's no not, one's nothing gonna, wrong with good charting. No one's going to do that. I'm the best charter on the planet. And then I'm just <laughs> sitting here as like a doula in the island, like a doula island in the middle of the ocean of midwives. But I feel like I have an interesting perspective because as a doula, um, I've become friends with a lot of midwives. And so I've gotten to see these relationships from a different perspective, not being in them. Although I, I did uh, precept under a couple midwives a couple times. Um, but then I stopped doing that. So, <laughs> Why? Ooh, this is new information. A lot of violence? <laughs> no, um, mostly, I mean, mostly no. I was treated good by some people I precepted under, but then I also had a bad experience as well. So, so um, I want to start today by just reading the definition of lateral violence, which is typically found in the nursing community. I was going to, yeah, I was going to say, like, it, I remember when you're talking about your first day of middle school, my first day of nursing school, the first thing they told us was nurses eat their young. And that was so how sad. we started our freshman year of college as like little baby student nurses. And it hasn't gotten any better. No, it's the same for midwives. They could say the exact same thing about midwives, too. So I feel like um, lateral violence and this all of this research has been done and it's all um, regarding nursing school specifically. But I feel like midwifery school, not that the schools are similar, but the. The experiences practice. and the preceptorships and, and whatnot. But it's defined as any inappropriate behavior, confrontation, or conflict ranging from abuse to sexual harassment, which we can all take a second to laugh. Ah, ha, ha, sexual harassment. But, because um, I do harass Meredith Yeah, often. but it's consensual. It is. Okay, thank you. Thank you for finally pointing mm-hmm. that out. Um, but examples of this are nonverbal verbal cues, eye rolling, things like that. Verbal remarks, telling someone they're an idiot. Actions or inactions, withholding information. Mm-hmm. scapegoating, blaming the student because something went wrong, passive aggressive behavior. I'm going to oh, call God. that out as my number one biggest fucking pet peeve. If you have something to say to me or someone around me, just say it. And just say it. So pervasive in this community. Uh, also, birth workers are the worst about passive just grow some ovaries. You think people would have more ovaries considering we touch them on a regular basis, but well, it's just not the case. I mean, well, I guess we kind of palpate ovaries, but not as often as you would think. No, still haven't. So if anybody you guys want a pelvic exam. Oh, I'm up for that after this episode. Don't threaten us. <laughs> Don't threaten us with a good time. <laughs> I'll have Broken a couple more glasses of wine. All that. Okay, so um, I'm just going to give a couple of thoughts, and then anyone By is a couple, welcome. she has six pages of bullet, yeah, bulleted points so, that she would like to make on this episode. And it's just because working with so many students, and, and that's all students and any students that I've ever worked with, whether they were um, under me <laughs> or not <laughs> under me or whatever, um, I would like to clear a couple things up. Yes. Inside you? (laughs) Oh, besides My partnership has been inside you? I don't remember that. (laughs) And we have been naked together, but not in that way. Um, So one thing that I have heard um, midwives say to me, to me, is um, they should be lucky that I let them into this sacred space. So I'd like to clear that up. I just want to start out by clearing that up. You didn't let anyone into anyone's sacred space. Congratulations for picking a good student. Well done. That's phase one. of And having a student that people want in their, in their birth space also and are supportive of that. Exactly. So all you have done as a midwife is picked another human being that other human beings enjoy being around and trust. Fantastic job. Great. That's a so, really good point. I'm going to start calling my vagina my sacred space, though. You should do that. And I'm going it to really pick space, and choose Jess. who I allow into it. Mm, I, <laughs> no, I always not do. Gonna say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I wasn't going to say anything. I think there's one person that has autonomy over that role anyway. So, mm-hmm. Who's that? My husband. Oh, oh, oh. 
gotcha. goes into my sacred space, my garden Lazy? of flowers. Wow, this episode is like really, really sexual. Lady so, okay. So this means that you haven't given the honor to anyone. The client is giving the honor to the student. You have simply chosen a good human being and the client agrees with you. Also, so that like, means... they're helping you out too. Yes. Like, yes, you've taken someone under to like help them learn or taking someone beside you to help them learn. But like ultimately they're also helping you greatly in your work as well. So it goes both ways. So when this happens, when you're, when your student, <laughs> I'm ignoring that. When you're, <laughs> when your student, yours in, in quotations is rewarded with going to the birth space, like you should be thankful for that. That is the reward. You don't need to have your student thank you profusely for allowing them this honor of the job that you took on on your own of being a preceptor that's part mm -hmm. of your job. Yeah. So I'm just really tired of like, oh, well, they should just feel so honored that I chose them to be in this sacred space. You didn't. Also, if like you're truly passionate about midwifery, you want to grow more midwives. Like, you want to increase the midwives available to your community. So it is like a duty that you have to like further midwifery as a whole. Correct. But I do think, and I don't know if I'm cutting off what you were going to think about talking about, but I've seen from my point of view that it, it very often is a cycle of abuse because mm -hmm. they were treated badly in their preceptorships and treated like crap. And so then it's like, well, I had to go through that. So now you have to go through it. It's like you're doing your time to become a midwife. That's been said to me numerous times. Mm -hmm. Well, I, it took me 10 years and I got shit on by this many people. So why shouldn't they have to? Yeah. go through that which is the same as an abusive parent talking about their abusive parents it is a cycle and we are empowered women so we should be breaking that but the my end point to that is that it's not your sacred space to give and if you are finding that your student your student the student that has asked to work with you is not jiving or not doing their part you have every right to get rid of them coming to other midwives and bitching about another human being incessantly because you don't like how they're not worshiping you or not giving you credit or not doing that, then get rid of them. Have another student. But you're not inviting them into that woman's sacred space. The woman is doing that. Mm -hmm. You're simply choosing the people that you are giving the option to. Or if you're not vibing, have a one-on-one -on -one session with the student and get to know each other on a level to find out like why there's right. a disconnect and ha let let there be a chance to get on that same plane of existence and maybe like repair whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But we but, talk so you're suggesting open open communication, open communication. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes. Intention, oh. like intentional time to like get to know each other because yeah, every like work is like one of the most intense relationships you're going to have. Like why wouldn't you put the work into yeah. developing that relationship no so that it's many, safe and healthy? Yeah, no matter how much people like to say you can't separate midwifery from your day-to-day -day life. Oh. Mm. You can have boundaries, mm -hmm. but if you're going to teach somebody how to midwife, you also have to be able to teach people how to live a life. And mm -hmm. you can't do that if there's a strict boundary between work and, like, family life. So I found it very helpful to see how Kim manages all of her kids and mm -hmm. all the stuff. Are I you talking about her, her guilt complexes? Yes. Yeah. Like, don't, you can't, like, her really, really, really unhealthy guilt complex. Go home at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. You have to let people into your life. But we, so we talk, bit. yeah, so we talk a lot in this podcast about breaking cycles of violence and breaking negative cycles. And so um, the whole point about this episode is not to just like bitch and moan about the bad things that have happened to us, but also to offer solutions for how we can break that cycle. Because midwifery is one of the most important jobs there are, and it takes a lot of our 
or even just birth work in general, it takes a lot of our like heart and emotions. And it's a, it's a very like high emotion job. And so we, I find we have these midwives coming out of school and they're already so beaten down. Just burnt mm-hmm. out from the beginning. Or burnt out just from training. Or people who step away before they even get there because it's such mm-hmm. an intense road. And we're only doing less than, we're still only doing like less than 1% of all births. Like that number needs to increase. And yeah. to do that, we need more midwives. And to do that, you have to break the cycle. So midwives coming out feeling like they have to heal from their student relationship. Which is it's almost gonna, every student I've yeah. ever talked to. And so then they're going to have to like heal themselves before they're really going to be on top of their game to help their moms the best they can. And the more midwives are helping moms do good things and being at the top of their game, the the more midwives are going to be hired because we're going to do better work. Um, I found it interesting because I did post a request for stories and we did get a bunch of them. Um, But that includes midwives and students. And I got a lot of, we got a lot of... um, Responses. Responses that weren't like complaints, but just stories of how hard their midwives were making it for them from students. Not a single midwife wrote in to tell me like, actually, I had this student and she was lovely. I had this student and it was she did this and it was very helpful. Or I find A, B and C to be helpful. No midwives wrote in to tell me what is, or us, to tell us, I keep saying me, what's helpful and not helpful. So, and I know we're so busy that maybe there just wasn't time, but this just seems to be... That's a perpetual message that students get is you're not worth my time. You're not worth my energy. Right. That's... And also they, these midwives were treated horribly. So to them, it's like um, traumatizing. So maybe they don't want to revisit or answer these questions because they themselves have never been validated or treated well. And I get it. But at some point, you know, as someone that was abused, you have to kind of stand up and say, I'm going to fix this. Yeah. I'm going to break the cycle so that we can have midwives graduating feeling like feeling good on top of the world and ready to help moms and not like, I can't deal with this emotionally to have a student or it's not worth your time. Because if you love what you do and you had a good experience, I feel like you want to pass that on. Just like good parenting, like people who parent their kids in a loving way, their kids grow up doing that naturally. Like, let me because they have role models and yeah, yeah. Let me pass this on to the next generation. (laughs) (laughs) You are exactly the daughter I want, so I'll take it. Did you suck at the the, at the teat of Kim's midwifery apprenticeshipness? I think I've taught her a couple of things, <laughs> hopefully to set boundaries for herself, yeah. even though the so one that day that not... she did, I, I bombarded her with attack text. <laughs> Setting boundaries while also radiating love for the client and the student. It's hard to do. It's so hard to Kim do. Kim does it. I, I do. But Thank then you. you also Thank have a relationship where you guys it. can process it afterwards. So yeah. like if something feels off, you guys can talk about it afterwards, which is pretty unique. In a safe way, because a lot of people don't even feel safe enough to begin those conversations. Also, I want to say, too, like, we we're, I'm sure we'll dive into this, but, like, one thing she has said is, like, let's focus on solutions. And one thing that came up for me in that is when you don't make students feel like you have time for them, one thing you can do, Kim, you're the only preceptor I had that encouraged me to take time to sit with you after birth and process them and then also do my paperwork. So that's, like, a huge problem with um, preceptors in my experience is they hold your paperwork over you and mm-hmm. kind of use it as a power trip so that they don't have to like that they say oh I'll sign it later I'll sign it later and then ultimately you have to stay longer because you're still doing your paperwork um, I don't 
And we need accountability for preceptors is what we need. Right. But go on. But yeah, I'm just saying like, you're the only one who took the time to make me feel like you were actually invested in me becoming a midwife. Like you took the time to help me with my paperwork. And even when I was tired and didn't want to do it, you were like, no, we're going to go to Chick-fil-A right now oh, with we my son Brock. Yes. <laughs> and we're going to have no regular check-in times about mm. first and also about paperwork. So I, I just think that's one of yeah, the best things you could possibly do. I would love to do that for you, Chick-fil-A Nikki. date. <laughs> I mean, also, I it's was so like, simple. just do it. I was so blown away the time we went to the vineyard and it was like Kim not only was like, let's have a wine party while we're signing paperwork, but you bought the epic bottle a, of it wine. It was a wine and sign. I thought I that was so, so much fun. fun. It was so much fun. It was beautiful and magical, but more of that could happen. But I do feel like a lot of midwives do like hold on to that because they're also losing free labor because many people are not getting paid for mm-hmm. their like when they're being students they're doing a lot of work and they're not being paid um it's because midwives aren't getting paid either yeah i mean it goes all the way back yeah to it's like, like breaking health problems it's a systemic yeah. problem don't get nikki started on our health care system <laughs> <laughs> i will get political <laughs> that's fine we invite you to do that well and i think it's that's true is it's it's hard for like when i had my own small practice um, and Tiffany was there. It, I would have loved to pay her more, but I couldn't afford it. But I did pay her something. I was going to say you when I was when I was with you at your old practice, you paid me. Yeah, because you were the only one like who did that thing. Like maybe at least the gas, so it kind of like relieves the power dynamic a little bit. Something. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've seen contracts where the midwife was like, "Okay, student, you're working for free, and also you can't hold another job. You have to come to all the births, or you'll be fired." Like, okay, well. How? how does she like? How do you expect gas, me to be able to do child that? Care. Yeah. Um, so what it does is it makes it makes midwifery only acceptable accessible to like the rich white women. Yeah, I don't think we need more of those. I'm no. about to be a rich white woman midwife in Maryland. There's here, a here. last thing people need, but hey, no, we That's do. Right. We do need to find a way to be able to have more like women of color and more people from like that don't have the means to support themselves through that because then they're going to be able to attract clients that need midwifery so much to so much that want someone like yeah. them to take care of them. Yeah. yeah. But there's also a call to action there for people who do have their privilege. Like if you do have that privilege, pay, pay yeah. your students. It doesn't have to be yeah. a lot. Anything. Yeah. Um, and that was one of the points I wanted to make is that I understand in nursing school, like if, when you're becoming a doctor, when you're becoming a nurse, wherever, you are expected to do clinicals. And that's part of your learning experience, and that's fine. But as a midwife, to expect a young, usually, um, woman who has kids, maybe they have a family, maybe not, it doesn't really matter, but to expect them to work five days a week for free for you, attend all of the births as a free assistant, I think that is absolutely ludicrous. It's not something that any one person can keep going. Yeah. Um, and it's rarely a path that people take directly. It's not like, oh, it's equivalent to a tuition. A lot of people have already gone to college, are paying off student debts and beginning their path in midwifery too. Well, I also want to stop because systemically we compare it to that. Well, doctors have to do clinicals, but really th- that whole system is actually really systemically flawed as well right. because like the, the same thing is happening to doctors. They're coming out with so much debt, the hospital could afford to pay them money. They're making so much money. So much but money. But they're going into their practices like feeling 
like they could be such better doctors if if they could come out of their practice being less beaten down. Yeah. And we so as midwives this, should break that cycle. I mean, mm-hmm. we're yeah. breaking the cycle of abuse in birth. Like, why are we not breaking the cycle of abuse amongst our peers? And I'm sorry, but that's what your student is to you. She is a peer. She's not below you. Yeah. Nikki has taught me just as much as I've taught her. And if if midwives open their eyes and see that students have so much to learn from you and so much to teach to you, I feel like it's a never-ending um, you know, exchange of education and information. Nikki, I'm always like, I don't know, let me ask Nikki what she thinks and yeah. let me text Nikki this question because people... And then I just Google it. And then she, <laughs> she's like, hold on, bitch, I'm going to Google Selective that for you. Selective Googling. You don't just pick the first article. You got to dig a little bit. But they me have too, so girl. much me to too. teach. And it's like we, we preach all of this um, informed consent and love and, and respect, but if your, your student that is with you is being treated horribly, that will come through in the looks and the side glances, and your moms are going to know, like you're, you're saying all this stuff, like I should be treated well, but I can tell that that poor student there who's poor in ragged, stinky clothes um, obviously needs to make some sort of an income. <laughs> Meredith, we weren't calling you stinky. You want to be the first? <laughs> I was just joking. I also feel like I need to clarify because I feel like if people hear this, they're going to think I have been paid in every apprenticeship that I've done, but I've been paid as a nurse, not as a student. So I've been paid for one role at birth, but there's been time, like not as a student. I've never attended a birth as a student besides with camera. I was actually paid for it. Other times it's always been as a nurse. So if I didn't have a nursing license, I would be another student midwife who wasn't paid for their, their time. So, well, so if you're a midwife who is desperately in need of help and you truly can't afford an assistant, then maybe you should have a couple of students who work on call a couple of days a month and then let right. them work have elsewhere. So many demands on their time. Like if you can't afford to pay someone to do a job, then you need to do that job yourself. Um, if you can't afford to hire someone to do a job for you, then I guess you won't have that person. Have a couple of people. Stop looking at me that way. <laughs> Well, I wanted to go back to what you said about learning so much from Nikki, because I feel like especially in birth work, that's so true, because like all four of us sitting at the table have had different experiences in birth before we came together, came together, Um, (laughs) non-sexually and always consensually. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to just ignore that. And And so regardless of like who you are or what level you are in your like schooling, like midwives can learn from doulas. Doulas can learn from midwives. Student midwives can learn from their preceptors, but preceptors can also learn from the students because you've, so you've had experiences that none of us have had. And, and with birth, we talk about, it's like there's so, we'll never stop learning everything yeah. there is to know about birth. And there's no one right way to do things. Ever. No. No. I've always been thinking about, okay, what about that preceptorship that was hard for me was hard. It was just like, it was more performative. Like I'm just there, like, Instead of learning how to be a midwife with my hands and my mind and, you know, like the muscle memory, mm-hmm. it was me putting on a performance so I didn't get in trouble. Yeah. That's so, so I never sad. actually, like, learned anything, I guess. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm going to, why I screwed up in some, like, micro, I did a microaggression and I'm going to hear about it later. Oh, no, for me, do you feel that way when we do births together? You did say, what? <laughs> like that one time. <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> yeah, but then you told me and we laughed about it. Well, is it usually like, did anyone die? Yeah. Then there you go. (laughs) Is anyone bleeding to death? Well, and I think it's, it's important. Our job, like my job is to teach. So there are so many times like Nikki and Meredith are very similar. So there are so many times where Nikki does something or doesn't do something in a way that I wouldn't, but I'll say, no, I wouldn't do it that way. But 
you're learning how to be yourself as a midwife, not another Kim Haynes. So you do it your way and ignore me looking at you with this side eye because I'm doing it because I can't help it. But everything you're doing is fine. It's just not the way I would do it. But that's okay. Which is also important for student midwives to to find their own way of practicing because different people are attracted to different kinds of midwives. And so it's like we can't all be, if we were just all like, carbon copies of the person who taught us I feel like we would just be like the system that we try not to be like exactly and so that that's the whole thing is like there is a midwife for every person just like there's like a, a top to every pan or whatever exactly. pots every kettle whatever. and you should be building trust so that you trust your students to make these primary decisions on their own I also feel like if you are a student one empower yourself to find somebody who does give you autonomy and lets you make decisions and two, if you do, are, if you are lucky enough to find somebody who does that for you, you have to like let go of, like you said earlier, like your trauma and be open to their mm-hmm. suggestions and their experience because ultimately, it might not be exactly how you do things as a student, but you can still learn from them. And so you have to be able to find that balance between like protecting your autonomy and staying true to yourself, but also being open to learning as well because it's yeah. really easy after having toxic preceptor relationships to feel very protective of your space and of your opinions but if you can let go of that um it really does open up a lot of opportunities from you to be in a trusting relationship with a preceptor where you can learn a lot I was just thinking that when we were talking about the same thing you're saying like that's a lot of times that ego that we can associate with healthcare professionals (laughs) it does come from a protective thing from when they were just like thrown around and crapped on so much and then it's like now it's my time Mm -hmm. to shine and so then it's like you do build up naturally a psychological wall yeah and you're then you're not open to learning and then that makes us as a profession well i'm not a midwife but it makes healthcare professionals as a profession unapproachable um (laughs) unapproachable but also like not as good as we could be no we're open to learning throughout our career as and as a preceptor it's really hard it's like um Imagine you you go out on a first date with someone and you're ready to start this beautiful new relationship, but you have been abused in the past. So you're treating your new person in a, this new relationship like they're about to do the same thing. So it's hard for me when I have someone coming in with trauma and they cannot let go of it. It's really hard for me to teach because then when I suggest something or do something, they come at me with their trauma. And that's really hard Meredith, when that happens, <laughs> because then, then it's hard to teach because it's hard to say the things you want to say. So it's, but it's not just, I'm just, I'm making fun of Meredith and we are very open with our yeah. relationship, but it's hard. Not every midwife is going to treat you that way. Um, and at some point I need a good uh, time to talk about Nora for a second because I was treated like an angel when I was a preceptor. Um, Katrina and I started out at Labor of Love in Dunedin in Florida and Charlene was awesome. We made our own schedule. Imagine that. We didn't get paid, but we made our own schedule and then we shared call time. And then when Nora started her own practice, she was so amazing. She knew I had a family. She was, she would listen to me cry. It was a hard time in my life. Such a hard time in my life. Imagine that midwifery school. And then there were times where I didn't have childcare and she wrote that check herself because she knew like, I want to work with you. I want you as a um, an assistant, I'm going to pay for your childcare. So she was always there for me. And then I'll never forget at the very end, I had all this paperwork because I procrastinated. So I offered to buy her a beer and we went to Chili's and we drank together and she signed my paperwork and she wished me well, despite thinking I was going to work for her forever. And I didn't, I came back to Virginia and it was beautiful. And I'm so glad you did. 
Uh, yeah, uh, thank God. Oh, my word. Thank Sorry. God. I don't know what my life would be. But even in the moments where she'd say, I want you to do this, and it would be a manipulation I wasn't comfortable with, I would turn and say, I'm not comfortable doing that. But if you want to show me how you would do it, go ahead. And she would step in. She would manipulate or do it or, or not manipulate. And then she'd step back out and let me take back over. And guess what? I got to catch that baby or not, but still count the birth because I was primarying. And she never made me feel like my questions were a burden. She never made me feel like an idiot. She would smile and reach in. The first time I sutured, I blanked out and couldn't remember how to tie a knot because I was so nervous. Oh God, I'm so glad that happens to other people. And she, just, <laughs> and she just didn't say anything. She just leaned in, took the hemostat, tied the knot, handed it back to me, leaned back out, giggled. So I was like, you're an idiot, Kim. But also, I felt the giggling supported. giggling is very important because you've done that thing to me as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, what? The giggling? You, you went in and Sorry. corrected my suture with a giggle. And oh, everything yeah. was okay. Okay. Yeah. And then the mom so also it takes giggled. away the yeah. tension. It takes away <laughs> the stress. It's an appropriate use of humor. Because mm-hmm. you're, you tension. signed on to be a teacher. So these women coming in are not like, hey... I don't need to be taught. I'm coming in because I feel like working for free. That's not what they're doing. They're saying, teach me something. Yeah. That's your job. They want to learn. Teach so, something. I think that this is a good point for, uh, for us to take our break. And then when we come back, we can share some of the stories that were shared with us and then what we learned from them and how to, to make this change. I want to start with Nikki telling the birth story of the lovely lady who gave us this wine. All right. Well, then let's go to our break, okay? Yes, let's do it. I love you, Nora. Cue the music. God, I love this music. I just want to dance for a second to it. She is dancing to it. All right. So our sponsor for today's episode is Charm City Midwives. Um, Announcing a new midwifery care provider in Baltimore with a certified nurse midwife and three certified professional midwives to be. We serve all of Baltimore City and surrounding suburbs within a 30-mile radius. They offer home birth, Midwifery, sorry. Well-person care, preconception counseling, contraception care. That's important. A lot of people don't realize that out-of-hospital midwives offer that. Um, Support including birth photography, placenta encapsulation, doulas, lactation support. Um, For all along the parenting journey, discover the benefits of continuity of care, continuity. Continuity of care. You are screwing things up all over the place Yeah, today. I, I didn't read through this before I got on the ad, so... Um, Let, like Nikki do it. Let Nikki do it herself. In a unique group practice, I just want to say that where you wrote unique, it looks like it says vagina. Um, check us out at charmcitymidwives.com. Uh, Nikki, can you tell me in your own words why you think Charm City Midwives are awesome? As like a concept? Yeah, or just why? What, what is awesome about you guys? Um, I think it's just a mix of experiences, um, outlooks on practice, but we all come together with the same idea that birth should be as hands-off as possible, and we trust everybody to be in charge of their pregnancies and births. Um, we had a unassisted birth on accident this morning, and it was the perfect birth for that family. And who's mad? I'm not mad. You know what I heard from that? <laughs> I'm not I mad. heard come together and hands off, which is not how I usually think about that. Um, so, but yeah, check out Charm City Midwives at charmcitymidwives.com. They are awesome, and your hair and your eyes and all the things are awesome as well. And I'm um, so sad that she's leaving. I yeah, might I cry. Yeah. yeah, I might cry a little bit. But they're going to be awesome, and they're going to go out and serve their community to have the best births ever. So, yeah, thank you for sponsoring you our episode, Charm City Midwives. Back to our episode. 
Welcome back from that break where we learned about Charm City Midwives. I think we have a story we were going to tell before we launch back into this preceptor episode like a muff. Yeah, the sponsorship of my um, drunkenness now. That's the beauty of the blue vine. It goes straight to your head. Right to it. I'm drinking water. I did have some of the wine, but get a picture of it. I hate you. I'm also I'm technically <laughs> off call if I want to be because I'm not obligated to go to birth. Are you not? <laughs> you take your time, Nikki. <laughs> hey, I'm already here. I'll just go she's, sleep upstairs. She's learning off, all the things off, she's learning. She's learning she's boundaries. She's time to learn everything she can learn, including boundaries. <laughs> so what does the story want to tell us? Yeah. Okay. So this beautiful glue vine, yeah. which was gifted to us by a listener of the podcast and a premier client who I didn't get to know until the very end. And she's super cute. She's so beautiful. Um, amazing family. Amazing house. And the reason I know about this is she went into labor. I didn't know about it <laughs> until the very end. And somebody looped me in at the very end to do triage, which is where you kind of like can't talk to somebody over the phone and help them decide when to come in. Because that's the thing about a birth center is like you got to time it right. Yeah. That's pretty much the only negative is like you got to time it right. Especially if they live far away. Uh, yeah. So she lives kind of over in West Virginia region. Yeah. It's far-ish. Um, you went there. You would know. On, it's on my way to the birth center, and I could have intercepted them had I known, given more, been given more information. <laughs> Here's the conversation about communication yes. between preceptors so and students. Like, hey, I was wanna... not on call that yeah. day, so oh, you can't blame me for nope. that. No blame there. So they're like, hey, triage her. She thinks she's in labor. So I start triaging, and she's like, yeah, I've got rectal pressure. I'm like, hmm. Um, so there was a midwife at the center. <laughs> Already, and they were kind of going back. It was a three-way thing because this gal lives up on a mountain, and her reception is bad. So there was like ten-minute pauses in between, and the midwife at the center was like, "What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up?" And not- Can we just stop you to say like rectal pressure on a mountain? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Go on. That made my anus pucker. So I'm like, I'm it looked just like the anus floating in my wine. So she's like, yeah. She very Real casually shriveled. said, just, just now that you mentioned it, yeah, I've got rectal pressure. I'm like, yeah, okay, go in. There's a midwife there. She will meet you. Turns out they had to pull over at a random hospital in West Virginia. She walked in, pushed that baby out in the hallway. Like a boss. She like, got to, she like got to catch her own baby. They were all in shock and no one knew what to do, which is kind of shocking because she yeah, was they were trying on to get the labor and delivery and floor. <laughs> not that shocking. <laughs> They're not used to that. They're, yeah. But they got good treatment and I walked in maybe 10 minutes after the baby was born. I think the placenta had just come out and they, the staff treated me like I was a trusted care provider and wow. I got to be in there and, act, and be a midwife. Amazing. That's awesome. And That's what we're going for. And take good for. care of them. And make them kind of give them the continuity that they deserved. Awesome. Go, Nikki. Go, uh, you. Thank you. And then, so we got this wonderful gift of Gluvine. I love it. And go, you badass rectal pressure mama on a mountain. <laughs> on a mountain. <laughs> Seriously. So, so yeah, the, yeah, next, the next day like, I went to the house and amazing. I was like, oh my God. The road that they had to travel while she was pushing is unbelievable. And that's why I like to do home birth. And that's why I like to do home <laughs> visits because you get to know people so much more. Yes. And then you know what kind of treacherous territory yeah. yes. you're I would have had them come in like eight hours earlier. <laughs> so I want to just uh, emphasize that she caught her own baby 
on that floor with her husband's hands Standing. under hers, mm-hmm. like yes. um, in support. And so it was so funny to them. They went back to that like actual location of that delivery and took a picture <laughs> of the event happening, which they shared with us. And it's so funny. Yeah. They reenacted it. We should ask them if we can share that picture they went back and took oh, onto our social cool. meds. I don't know if she's going to want yeah. that, but we'll we'll on a mountain. We can ask. <laughs> we'll ask. You know who you are. Get in contact. You yeah. are awesome. All also, right. we still need to have our Enneagram party on your mountain. Okay. I love Enneagrams. So, okay. let's go back to our story so we don't have another two-hour-long episode. So, we, we got sent, actually, some emails about this because apparently it's something people feel super passionate about. Not rectal pressure on a mountain, the preceptor <laughs> relationship. I love rectal pressure, and especially when said, especially when you give it to me. Oh. <laughs> I, Sorry, I love, right in the mic. I God. love giving you rectal pressure, Kim. But only when I'm pushing a baby Especially out. when you scream, more rectal pressure. <laughs> so loudly. I, I do have that on video. It, just was, it was very encouraging to Let's me that, that I was doing the right yeah. thing. Okay. That's a vote. Yeah. <laughs> Will do. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, Brian videotaped it. Oh, he, your the videographer is that. here. That's yeah. right. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> my brother videotaped Jessica. That's my me evil double pressure. entendre laugh. <laughs> <laughs> we need to cut that part out. That whole thing no. sounded awful. No, we don't. <laughs> we never cut out what we're saying. So cut out. I really enjoyed some of these stories we got sent about preceptor relationships. So we're just going to like dive in and read them like rectal pressure on Kim. Oh, go ahead. Um, Not with the pressure. Okay. So I'm going to start with this one, okay? Um, This is exciting because we actually got sent a letter from a midwife in California. So I get excited because people like all over the world are listening to our podcast now. We have like a listener in like Belgium and like... Hey, shout out to Belgium. Yeah. Hi, guys. Thanks for listening to our podcast. That really connects all countries. I know, right? It's the gift that keeps on giving. So what what does this midwife have to say about our um So she said, I'm so glad you are doing a podcast about this. My name is, I'm sorry if I say your name wrong. I'm going to try my best. My name is Maravette Torres, and I'm a newly licensed midwife in California. I had a few apprenticeships, one of which was horrible, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. (laughs) We feel you, girl. (laughs) Before the apprenticeship, that was amazing. So she had another one that was awesome. It was a challenging apprenticeship, but it's where I learned the most. I once had a preceptor tell me that I was useless to her because I did not know how to place an IV. Yet, this preceptor has never taken the time to teach me how to place them. She was the preceptor, and she wasn't teaching me, but she still expected me to know how to do things that she had never taught me. At my last apprenticeship, they had a three-week orientation, eight hours a day, teaching me everything about prenatals, how to draw blood, take a blood pressure, a pulse, etc., etc., labor sits, birth, IPP, how to be the assist, and how to be the primary. They did not expect me to know these things automatically. They knew it was their job to teach me and guide me throughout my apprenticeship. So my suggestion is, This is all in caps. Teach your apprentices. Mm -hmm. Sorry if that was loud. The skills. And don't just assume they know what to do because that's why they're there. And when they get something wrong, assume that, again, all in caps, assume that you, the preceptor. Yeah, girl. Did not teach the skill properly. Yes. And that you need to go back 
rewind noise, and see where your gap was in teaching the skill. Expect that a student will not get it right the first time. You guys can interrupt me at any time. No, I yeah. love this. Keep Just going. point out those gaps in front of the clients, please. Yes, right? <laughs> and show them grace as they stumble and learn, which is what you're saying. Grace. Don't make them look like an idiot in front of the client. You, again in caps, Y-O-U, are taking on this student and you are responsible for teaching them. She said, feel free to use my name. I'm a licensed midwife in California, and I no longer need to worry about making anyone mad by telling the truth. Yes, yes please. Cheers to that. Applause. Mm-hmm. Applause. Yes. Applause. Cheers. Cheers. We're cheers. cheers. Thank you. What do you guys have to say about that letter? Because I feel like this I feel connects. Like she said all the things. I feel mm-hmm. like this connects a lot of what we were saying in the first part of this episode. I'll let you guys say what you have to say, because that actually goes right with my last point I wanted to make. So... Yeah, I, I love the idea of an orientation time. Yeah. Like an intentional mapped out training where you cover basic skills so that people can go into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have expectations, but also don't have petty expectations. Right. Have realistic mm-hmm. ones. Mm-hmm. Um, Prioritize what's important. Don't try to control somebody's personal life. Maybe. Amen. <laughs> but don't expect people that are coming to learn to know all the things you want them to know because, I mean... That's why they're there. Right. People don't come out of the womb knowing how to put in an IV. And it takes, even if you, Hmm. I mean, I did. No, just joking. (laughs) But even if, even if you've like learned it on paper, that's one of those things that takes a lot of practice in real life to get good at. So take take time for skills practice days where it's like you can dig in vaginas, you can do IVs where there's no judgment. You're not practicing on a client. Do you know uh, hard? Maybe alcohol. I don't know. I mean, it's so hard. It makes everything easy. Because I worked at a doctor's office as a nurse, and I learned a lot of those skills, but I got to do them over and over and over and over mm-hmm. again, day after day. But I can only imagine how hard it would even be to learn how to do a blood pressure if someone was like staring at me over my shoulder judgingly because you're so nervous. I yeah. do that all the time. Say, no, do you. it like this. No, do it like this. You stare over my shoulder yeah, judgingly. Right. That's always happening. I don't. I think I knew how to take blood pressures before you oh. ever did that. Yes. <laughs> I just meant for regular day-to-day things. Oh. Yeah, but you don't make me nervous. (laughs) Well, it's weird because maybe you don't don't know how to do blood pressure. That's right. I take that back. Because um, I'm an EMT. Very loose quotes around that because I never actually did get around to, like, practicing as one. But we (laughs) learned as an EMT, you don't put the bell of the stethoscope under the cuff. But we do that here. And I was doing that in my preceptorship. And she's like, what are you doing? And so it's kind of like... Finding out what is evidence-based and what is not even worth, like, worrying about. Because Mm -hmm. there are a lot of places in, like, in the medical field where it's, like, you get taught something, like, it's, like, the end-all of truth. And then you find out that it's, like, it's not. Like, people do it differently everywhere. Oh, like, yes, I had one of those moments with Katie Black last year, but we're not going to talk about it. Hi, Katie. (laughs) Are we talking about measuring the baby? We love you. We are, but thanks for bringing it up. (laughs) You brought it up. I'm just clarifying. But yeah, so again, always learning. Um, So the the last point that I had written down that I wanted to say goes along with that email is that you that is your job to teach so nikki and i had a birth together and i trust nikki 100 percent. so i was napping but um she did the triage she did the labor she did the birth the, the postpartum all of it 
And in the moment of the pushing, there was a moment where it was like, I wouldn't say, I don't know if it was a true disto show or just like a sticky baby, whatever. But I saw what she was doing and I thought, let me show her this thing I do. So I reached in and did whatever I was doing with her hand. Um, and then I stepped back or this was another one, whatever. And then she continued with the care, again, the postpartum, the discharge, all of those things. And then when we were talking, I was like, what questions do you have for me? And she said, well, that sucks. I guess I can't count that one. And I was like, what do you mean? She said, well, I didn't do every single thing. And I just thought, is this what midwives are doing? Like if you, you can't punish a student for doing your job. You are supposed to step in and teach what you know. So Nikki, I don't even think she was mishandling it it's just that i saw something that i did differently and i you thought saw, like oh. a teachable moment well, it's weird and because you really underestimate how much force is needed to do things mm-hmm. sometimes and i'm like like force even for palpating a baby like it, if you don't do it hard enough you're not going to learn anything so it's something you have to learn by somebody putting their hands over yours exactly like how much force you. is needed yeah so mm-hmm. i learned something in the moment but did i lose that birth kim no, of course not. <laughs> I mean, do do we not? So every birth, which as a student, you think of them as numbers, and it's not because you're doing it on purpose, but you need these numbers that are like sacred. Mm-hmm. So for a midwife to take that one sacred birth away that could set someone back for yet another month yeah. is horrible. And what if a dad wants to catch his own baby? Does the student not get to count that birth or, because the dad wants to do or it? Or if the mom or wants the mom. to catch, the, or the baby comes out and the mom pulls the baby up herself. Like, exactly. So you can't, we can't can't punish students for doing our job, which is or teach. allowing parents to have their birth dreams manifested by just for the babies. student to get yeah. because that's yeah. what we're that's what we're here for is to give that care that gives the parents their dreams. Right. Yeah. And as a, as a preceptor, your job is to teach every single thing, you know, so I am very known for reaching in and going or whispering what you're doing is great. If it were me, I would consider A, B and C, but you don't have to. I'm going to float away now. It's the moment. And then she like moonwalks and out of I the moonwalk room. And I moonwalk back with my hands like a tree. I'm going to do a video of you doing the moonwalk back. Meredith disagrees with me. She's backing up further and further. Like the last birth so we did a couple right days, now. she was all the way across the room. I and was, that was waving great. from the corner. Hey. <laughs> she does always have coffee now in her hands. So her hands are busy typing and drinking coffee. So none of her hands are free to do yeah, anything. So I can't do And anything. she makes this face. Uh, it's awful but the but the point is if <laughs> i do see something i can do a, teach like, a collage of those photos yeah no no don't Let's do, do that i won't look like nikki in her collage social media you're welcome it's coming but it's teaching so if you're teaching a student you can't punish them for doing your job which is to teach like teach them that moment let them finish the birth or do whatever and then they're going to leave that birth with the experience of the birth and then whatever added education you just gave them and it, they shouldn't be punished for that because otherwise they would get that number but they wouldn't have learned that skill so they're mm-hmm. going out into the world right. with less skills mm-hmm. to do birth on their own yeah. also shout out to all the clients who have had me in their care or anybody who's got a student involved in their care. Like, thank you for letting us mm-hmm. yes. do this. Like, I promise that you guys are not just numbers. We no. remember all of you. You're very important. Um, and we're, we wouldn't can, be here without you. Yeah. You can trust that we are doing our best for you because if we screw up, we'll lose our apprenticeship. <laughs> so, you know, we're getting, you're getting the highest quality <laughs> care. Mm-hmm. Because oh, we sure. have most Someone lose. recently said they didn't even realize you were a student. Oh, hey, oh. I thought she was a midwife. And I was like, yes. Because <laughs> she is. Sh- shall, shall we? Is, yes. it, is it meow the time to read the next letter? <laughs> meow is the time. Okay. Let's do it. All right. So I'm going to read this next email because I identified 100% with all of it, but it's long. So here we go. 
I'd like to add something positive, even though I'm in a rather abusive preceptorship. My preceptor pays me to work for her. I do one to two clinic days a week. I'm on 24-7 call for births. She pays me $800 a month. That's amazing. But mm-hmm. um, I can help put food on the table. I can help pay for my kids to do sports. I can put gas in my car for all the hours I spend burning it, which will come up here in a second. Midwifery school is expensive and puts a lot of stress on families mentally, emotionally, physically, and financially. I think preceptors who make their students pay, which is another model here, are doing a huge disservice to the future midwives that are coming up. Here, here. And this happened, this happened to me once before as well. My preceptor once made me drive two hours away to give a client a Rogam shot before the 72-hour postpartum cutoff. She neglected to mention that she was also driving to said client to do a visit the same day. I spent four hours driving with kids in tow. She never once apologized for her miscommunication. She never thanked me for driving to her on my off day. She never acknowledged the fact that it was unnecessary. When we come out of school exhausted, wrung out, tired, unenthusiastic, and with no sense of worth, we are losing ourselves to our dreams. Our families suffer. Shout out to husbands and kids as well. Ugh, yes, hello. Um, and our community suffers. I don't want to come out on the end of this with no sense of who I am or the midwife I am to be. I don't want to lose myself, and I feel that slowly it's already happening. Um, and the last thing she wants to point out is, there is no accountability for abusive preceptors, and there should be. The power dynamic is massive, and too many take advantage of it. It's so odd and backwards that this heart work that is all about caring and loving and understanding causes so much damage to those on the path. That just sums up our yeah, entire yep. podcast. Literally like, everything. I, I love that email. Mm-hmm. Thank you for writing that. I know it takes a lot when you're not licensed yet. You may have just lost a signature, and I am sorry for that. But if that happens, let us know, and we'll harass the person that refuses to give it to you. <laughs> Good job reading, Nikki. Was that all right? Did I lisp? I have a tongue tie. Get those cut. <laughs> there was no lisping. No, but that brings up so many. Yeah. Th- it like ties together all the things we've been saying this entire episode. Like expecting people to take away from their family, to take away from their time, to do something that they don't have money for, and then beating them down while they're doing it is not going to build good midwives. It's going to take women that have just gotten through school and then are just trying to survive. And they're not going to be as good of midwives as if they had encouragement and you were just nice to them. And I know, like, it's a big joke in the midwifery community about the divorce rates. Uh, it's so very funny. Um, it's actually not that funny. Yeah. And then you have single people trying to support themselves and their kids Yeah, on I, no salary. I got a text from a really good friend who is a birth assistant um, who apprenticed for a while um, with another practice and she actually did the math of how much money she lost for her apprenticeship because I've actually been terrified to ever even think about how much money I've lost in the last seven years becoming a midwife. Um, but she did the math and she's lost over $30,000 um, in loss of income from her thriving doula practice that she gave up and gas and childcare, which is just insane that women are having to put that much money and put that burden on their family for their skills and expertise. But it's a it's a choice that we make because we love our job. We're passionate about it. Because of the passion, it does breed burnout from the very beginning before you start. So because of all these things, you know, it is a choice. People could say then quit then, but we don't want to. So 
we just need to make it better. And I know it sounds like as midwives, I'm a midwife, Meredith, Nikki, soon to be a midwife. It sounds like we're midwife bashing. That's not our point. And there are, I've heard a lot of stories about horrible students. Um, but the thing is we have a choice. We can get rid of them. Um, students don't often have a choice. There's like a choice of two midwives and they're battling for that position. Or so one. there might or, be one midwife or, in your yeah, area. Yeah. Or none. So I just think that, you know, if you do get that spot as a student, live up to it. Mm-hmm. Do the few things. I don't ask a whole lot, I don't think. I don't know. Maybe no, I do. You've, but you've s- made me a much better person. I've seen I love, I love this podcast and all the praise <laughs> I've been getting. Aww. This podcast like feels good. On the whole. I see that and I, like, you didn't have to bring a, pick up a student. You also don't have to change your behaviors for us, but you do. Well, because I'm a normal, I'm, I'm not a normal human. You're not I'm, normal. I'm a, uh, I don't know. You're extraordinary. I just want to be a good human. And I want other midwives to be good humans, but students have to. You're paranormal. I'm a parent. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a paranium normal, <laughs> but students do have to That's also like, if you get, if you get that spot, don't do nothing. You know, yeah. if your midwife is like, Hey, I really need this. Um, and then the other day, Nikki was like, what are you asking me? Like, what What do you need? Could you just text what but you I, need? I think that's also a thing is that if, if students are being treated well, I think for the most part, and again, this has been wrong in some situations. On the whole. On the whole, if you're treating them well, they're going to want to go out of their way to help do more. But if you're a student, also go out of your way, like help clean, clean up the birth space. Oh my God. Do like not help, take a nap after the birth. Help file Don't some. Don't do that. Help file some paperwork. Like do things that are not explicitly expected of you, but yeah. I feel like it, it's like within the midwifery realm, right. don't be picking up people's dry cleaning or child or, care or their children or leaving yeah. your preceptor's house. But it's no. like, if I feel like it's just one of those things, it's a relationship. So if like the preceptor is treating the student better and the student is treating the preceptor better, it's like, that's, it's only going to get better and better and better. Well, it's not going to business model. Yeah. Like fear is not the best, like, motivator within any business space well it's no respect and trust but and it because like we've talked about in other things when you're fear and or you're anxious you're releasing your your fight or flight hormones and your brain is actually not going to learn best under those situations you no. need to have a safe environment in order to learn yeah, your exactly. skill accurately and that's what you were saying yeah, nikki is that eight preceptorships and i've only felt one in which like i felt my body shaking for things that i've done a million times before and i'm like what's wrong with me right now like i wasn't doing good i was making mistakes and i'll own the mistakes but it was because i was so adrenalized mm-hmm. because you, your brain out of fear of screwing up like a, like a child with an abusive parent that's getting smacked over and over again mm-hmm. You know, you're going to expect that from your you next person. You cannot make good decisions when you're coming from a place of fear. And then, of course, then the preceptor's like, oh, see, she's an idiot and she needs to get micromanaged and disciplined. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just, just like, like a, a spiral. Yep. A there's, no, loop. there's no place for discipline in midwifery. That's not what this is about. Um, but students should there's play their part. There's a space for accountability, part. though. Yeah. But it, but it's not a situation where it's like a parent disciplining a child. It, it no. there's a, a place for teaching and there's a place for building up and there's a place for like showing them how they might have changed something. There's not a place for making someone feel for belittling people. For belittling people. Yes, I totally agree with that. I've had um, and this is this blows my mind. This this is just I don't even know what to say to this. But I have accepted uh, students in the past and other midwives will hear about it. 
never have reached out to me ever before for anything, but they want to say, I heard you were taking a student. Let me tell you why that's a bad idea. Lucky for me, I don't listen to other people's fucking gossip. So, and because of that, I have a beautiful human being in my life, but don't, why? Like maybe, maybe it wasn't a good fit for you, but that doesn't mean that that student isn't going to like thrive somewhere else. It's just like a client midwife relationship like not all relationships work but students students also it's just nobody no midwives wrote in so I don't know what to say in that regard other than my own relationship um with students like Meredith who I've made cry a hundred times I'm well, also yeah. very sensitive and we have to and start you made me sensitive we so. have to start wrapping I up tried. the episode but like even just watching what happened between you guys like there was definitely times when it was like you had to figure some stuff out but it was in the figuring that stuff out that beautiful things and growth happened. And and now it's like, look, we not only you turned out a beautiful midwife who is now helping other people have amazing, Isn't spectacular she lovely, births. everyone? Yeah, but we also have like a best friend. And it's like, and that's what we're saying. Like positive things like that can happen in the birth community where you can work together if we all just suck it up and stop being shitty people. Yeah. Yeah. We so don't. Now, uh, Meredith, have, I've been a student under her. She can't precept yet, but she's been the so midwife. I apologize to Nikki in advance for any time that I've ever no, worked like with I'm her watching as a student. Her, I'm watching her trying to break the cycle, and it's so much fun attending births, like saying it, it's fun to attend births. Um, a lot of people can't even relate to that because of mm-hmm. what they're going through. But I have fun at Premier. It's going to be very sad to leave. Oh well. I don't even want to talk about that. <laughs> so, <laughs> let's talk about it. Are there any <laughs> closing remarks we want to say about having a student or being a student cool. before we like... I think there's one thing we haven't talked about, which is accountability on a higher level. So NARM. If yeah. anyone from NARM is listening, you have a role in this also. Yeah. Um, we need to have more accountability. We've talked about it, but we haven't said like exactly what we feel like would be good ideas for NARM to establish to protect these relationships. Um, and the, the friend that texted in the um, amount of money she's lost over the year, she had some really good ideas. So a preceptor skills training through NARM before you're able to take on a preceptorship. Because in mm-hmm. order to become a preceptor with NARM, you send an application and you really just have to have a certain number of births or a certain number of years experience as a midwife. And that's it. Like there's no other qualifying factors to become a preceptor. If your experience as a student was horrible, then you don't know how to be a good teacher. So maybe you do need some training. Yeah. yeah. So she, we're just talking about more autonomy from NARM, the licensing, not the licensing There is a body, workshop you can take that I've seen some of it online and it's amazing. So. Um, and then evaluations from students as well, like uh, a, a, a reporting body, like a way to report to NARM about experiences that we might have of abuse underneath certain preceptors or with certain preceptors. Um, that so has I, I'm happened. I'm really supportive of that. And that has if, happened. If it's out there, it's not talked about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think there's like a lot of dialogue around it. So if there is a workshop, if there is some accountability from NARM, maybe like having larger conversations around those processes for people. Yeah. I just, I want to say, going back to our mom shaming episode, like just don't be a dick. <laughs> yeah. Just don't Basically. be a dick. We all know that hurt people hurt people. Yeah, yeah, don't so find take your care of yourself. Treat your students like you would have liked to be treated as a student, whether or not that's how you were treated, because that'll break the cycle yeah. of abuse and violence. I think mm-hmm. that's the takeaway is break the cycle. Yeah. Break the cycle and don't be a dick. Does so, anybody else have if, anything if else to I, say? If I cannot be a dick, then I'm fairly certain that anyone out there cannot yeah, be a dick. Yeah, because you kind of are a big I'm Kind dick. of a big dick. Um, but I love you. I love you. <laughs> I love you, big dick. And I love Nikki. <laughs> and I'm going to miss you when you're gone. <laughs> so all we have to say all is we have like... To say is-
For all those new midwives out there that are trying to become midwives and all those people out there who are trying to teach the new midwives when it's rough, like, just keep on keeping on and cheers. Cheers! That sounded like a... What is that 80s movie? I just... It's like, keep on keeping on. on. I don't know. I just like where I called you a big dick. Bye, everybody.